Welcome to Crossfade, the dueling album review show about expanding your musical horizons. I'm your host, Matt Helgeson. My co-host and producer, Jason Daphnis, is here. Uh, that I am. How are you doing, Matt? That you are. I'm excited. We're doing a no guest this week. We're, we're doing a uh, another Patreon picks, which I think uh, I've always really enjoyed these episodes. This is the third one we've done, and mm-hmm. it's always really, uh, I don't know, cool way to involve the community, and it's definitely one where I hear stuff that I was not familiar with so that's that's always a, a really fun part of it for me mm-hmm. yeah um this one's particularly uh we'll say diverse there's a lot of really cool stuff in this set um i only regret that we can never pull more than the songs we do just because like 20 is a lot to fit in one episode but uh yeah know that everything that everybody suggested from the patreon post is actually in the crossfade community picks playlist which we link in the show notes so even if you didn't hear your song picked this time uh you know keep suggesting it and you can find it a bunch of other great music there Absolutely. And this, uh, you know, we, we always sort of intend this to be a regularly recurring, uh, you know, spot. So if you, if you weren't picked this, this time, I'm sure in the future, you'll have more opportunities to do so. Um, For sure. and speaking of the future, the near future, um, did want to make a little announcement, uh, that this episode is going to be the end of, uh, Crossfade season one. And I don't know what, is this like 41 episodes or something? I think this is number 41 in the order, maybe 40 of like guests. Cause we had a couple of like one-offs or specials or whatever, but right. yeah. So we just decided, uh, I think Jason and I have both had a lot going on. Um, you know, Jason's got a new job. I got, you know, a lot of stuff going on. My daughter's back in school. And, uh, I think we just want to take a little break here, kind of refresh, maybe think about the show a little bit and, and how we're going to proceed. Um, and so the plan right now is this is going to be the last show for the remainder of 2021. And we are going to come back in the new year uh, after a little break, refreshed and, and raring to go. So, um, you know, as the holidays move on, uh, you know, it was already going to be probably tough to get some episodes. I'm planning on going to Mexico, hopefully COVID, uh, you know, COVID allowing. And, and obviously Jason might, I'm sure, traveling for the holidays. So we just thought this was a nice time to just uh, take a little break, take a breath and uh, come back. But uh, we will be back in 2022. And, you know, as always, we just wanted to, uh, you know, truly like this episode's a great, you know, example of, uh, I think how great our audience is and, and our Patreon supporters and everyone that listens to the show, um, really knowledgeable and passionate about music. And that's been one of the great, uh, you know, things about this for me is just the response and, and people that really seem to listen and care about music. So, uh, thanks to all of you and, uh, you know, enjoy your holidays and we'll, we'll see you on the other side. Uh, so yeah, let's let's get into the the Patreon picks. Um, starting off, oh, I know this song. This is "Can't Hardly Wait" by The Replacements. Minnesota's native sons, right? The replacements. Yes, they are definitely. Um, and yeah, so <laughs> as a uh, you know, 
middle-aged indie rock guy that's played in like four bands. Uh, <laughs> as you may imagine, I have a lot of feelings about the replacements. Um, you know, they, they um, I mean, aside from Prince, I think they're, you know, kind of, they really loom large, you know, over, over Minneapolis rock music, you know, them and like Husker Du. There's Dylan, but I'd never really considered Dylan like a Minnesota artist in the same way. Um, but yeah, they, you know, they, um, I've gone, I've the gamut of like, you know, they've been my favorite band in the world. And there's been times when like the mythology around them gets so annoying that I've kind of disavowed them totally. Um, really? Yeah, you know, they're just, they're just, you know, they, they are, you know, they're a great band. I think they were frustrating in that they were very, you know, self-sabotaging. I think even hmm. a lot of their albums weren't maybe what they could have been due to their, you know, antics and drinking and kind of self-destructive. Oh, okay. And just, uh, there's actually a book called Trouble Boys uh, by Bob Mayer, M-E-H-R. It is a fascinating rock biography. I think you... I don't even think you really need to be a fan. It's just, like, he's a great writer, and they had a very just crazy existence. Um, okay. Where so. does this song fit in that whole picture? Is it one from one of the periods that you are on board with? Yeah, this is one of their better albums. This was kind of their first, you know... Their first uh, attempt to kind of make an album that was maybe a little more palatable to a larger audience. Um, okay. It didn't work. They did a lot of things that were really stupid in their career to, like, sabotage themselves, as I said, like getting banned from Saturday Night Live, um, things of that. Because <laughs> they, oh, yeah. they, they got really drunk on Saturday Night Live and, like, wrecked everything. <laughs> and then they... I actually... Oh, man. I, I was a little kid, and I was like... I, my parents would let me stay up for Saturday Night Live, and I saw them, and it was like... I don't know. I was pretty young. Like, mm-hmm. you know single digits um and they they came out and they were they kind of dressed in these like they were almost a precursor of like grunge fashion this sort of like you know thrown together like plaids and jeans and like junk store clothes and then mm-hmm. they all came back and like bob stinson uh the late bob stinson uh who, tr- who kind of tragically died um he was wearing like a dress and they'd all wear like changed clothes and it was just like they were just so unprofessional i was kind of like wow what are they doing you know um but this i think i don't know i'm curious what you think of this song i mean i think this would uh, Paul Westerberg, the lead singer and songwriter. I mean, to me, this is like a great example of like his strength as a songwriter. Um, how'd yeah. you like this song? Uh, this would have run really tight alongside our episode about the exploding hearts, um, which we had, I think was Mike Park on that episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that was one of my favorite episodes of Crossfade because you put together a whole playlist of power pop music. Uh, and I, I really like this song. It is just that driving like riff throughout and it's got the harmony above it on guitar. The It's, it's just very easy listening, but like energetic. And I guess that's the whole point of power pop. And it led me to wonder, are there other like big players of the Minneapolis power pop scene that I should check out if I like, you know, this version yeah, of the replacements? Um, I mean, the replacements are kind of punk and kind of not, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd say there was a band called, uh, oh man, I'm spacing on it. Um, Magnolias. Um, okay. very, he's, that dude's been around forever and they're good. Um, I'm trying to think there's a band called smart Alex, like a L ex um Ooh, that's cute yeah yeah <laughs> yeah totally um but yeah no i mean the replacements are kind of like you know i think this shows like he's kind of like he throws in a lot of we- like just like weird little kind of offhand jokes like jesus rides beside me never buys any smokes and stuff yeah and, yeah. and in sort of heartfelt songs we'll have these little sort of like throwaway asides and things and he's got a kind yeah. of wry sense of humor which i think and yet sort of sad in a way which is sort of like the replacements uh 
mo i would say but um yeah it is like two or three chords in that song and they're all very like saccharine you know they run alongside that riff in a very uh melancholy way i really like that song i'm glad they suggested it let's see who actually gave us that song that song came to us from uh devin brooks thank you so much devin brooks yeah. for suggesting that one uh should we jump but into I, the next it, one i would say the core run is like the two albums before this let it be uh which they're just being dumb huh. about the Beatles and calling their <laughs> album Let It Be just to be assholes. And then uh, Tim and then uh, Please To Meet Me. Uh, that's kind of, I would consider, I think most people would sort of consider those three albums their peak. That's where the gold is. Yeah, I mean, they have good stuff on either side as well. But, you know, those are, I think, they're sort of, you know, maturity era mm-hmm. kind of before they got too mature. Okay. Uh, Well, then let's scooch over to our next track, uh, which comes from Tactical Dreamer. This is Breaking Free by Takaharu Ishimoto uh, from the Neo The World Ends With You's soundtrack. That's a video game, Matt, if you remember what those are. (laughs) It's been a while. No, I I, I vaguely recall. (laughs) That's some memory. Have you played this game? I haven't, actually. This is a sequel to The World Ends With You, like a 20... 0908 game maybe from the DS that I also I bought and I never got around to playing. It's one of those like super deep JRPG type games which you can probably guess from the soundtrack here. Was, was it like a thing where did this group do all of it or was it like a compilation? In uh, this, well this track particularly is by um, sorry it was all composed by the same person I believe but the vocals on this track are contributed by Mas Kimura um, who is I suppose another vocalist I'm again having not played this one I'm not sure uh, but yeah it's one work by one person just with different instrumentalists and you know vocalists throughout it kind of reminds me of um, how they used to make music for Sonic games in like the Dreamcast era where it was like just make some catchy pop metal-y song right mm-hmm. I like the chorus. The chorus is very catchy. Catchy. It is, and that I got. I don't have many criticisms of this song, but I do wish it was one, one thing or the other. Like that verse is very like he's doing his best Serge Tankian impression, and it's like down in his lower register, and he's like eh, sort of nasallying it. And then once it breaks to the chorus, it gets very high, uh, you know, very hook filled type stuff. And I, f- I kind of wish that like there was some something harder, something more aggressive, something harsher to the sound, or something like more consistently uh, poppy. poppy about it. Yeah, throughout. yeah, I could see that. I could see that yeah. for sure. It's almost I a little it, like bubblegum tool thing on the like the yeah yeah verses. I, or something. I, I guess it never really reaches the energy level I want, um, but it does like it does scratch that itch. Uh, I feel like I want to save the rest of the record for when I actually get around to playing the game in like 2054 or something. But it'll be. Uh, It'll be nice to recognize this one when I do. Absolutely. Yeah, that's a good chorus. That's catchy. Yeah, the uh, the syncopation of like where his words land is interesting. It's not where I would have expected for like this metal infused pop track. Yeah, cool. I mean the chorus almost gets closer to like My Chemical Romance to reference. Yeah. The past episode. That's a good comparison. Uh, again, that song comes to us from Tactical Dreamer. Thank you, Tactical Dreamer. Are you ready for the next one, Matt? Yeah, I'm very much ready for the next one. Awesome, because the next one comes from Internet Levi. This is Plastic by Portishead. I wonder why I don't know why 
gives us an idea uh, you sounded pretty excited to listen to this one i'm guessing it went down smooth no i mean i, I love this band i love this album uh, oh yeah portishead you know is i think a truly great band uh beth gibbons i love her singing uh jeff jeff farrow um but yeah i mean they're you know their their first album dummy is kind of a classic of like trip hop you know along with like massive mm-hmm. attack and stuff like that that was going oh, on is that what this is called with like the chopped and screwed drums and the sampling and the um, sort of yeah. gaps and stuff? This, this, uh, I mean, they're, Dummy is very, their first album's from the like mid 90s, mid to late 90s. Um, that's very traditionally what I'd call trip hop. This, this, mm. this is like an album they came, they were gone forever and then they came back kind of out of the blue with this album called Third. And, um, you know, they'd been gone for a while and, and it was just like, I was just blown away by this album. I thought it was so powerful, just like menacing and kind of fit maybe <laughs> the mood yeah. of the, the times or whatever. But um, yeah, I, yes. I really think third, I mean, Dummy's kind of considered a classic. I almost like this one better. Um, hmm. Yeah, but I, I think I, I can't say enough good things about um, Portishead. They have a really good live album too that has some live strings and stuff too. So um, nice. yeah, I'm just overall a, a big a big fan of uh, Portishead and uh, just their whole deal. Yeah, I really like how discordant and, like you said, menacing it can sound, but there's just, like, those fun production things. Like, clearly those drums weren't played that way. They were just, like, copied-pasted to a rhythm in ways, like mm-hmm. those fills. Those are just so distinctive. I don't know. I listened to this song one time and couldn't get those out of my head. Yeah, no, and her voice, I think, is beautiful. Yeah. Um, it's just, yeah, to me, they're just a, a, a all-time great band. I love them. Yeah. Well, that song rips. That one, again came from internet levi thank you internet levi our next song comes from jason wojnar uh, a frequent contributor to songs excuse me of songs to uh, crossfade thank you again for this one jason i'm glad it got pulled this one's called just the best party by the world slash inferno friendship society wanted to jump in earlier but i wanted to let that chorus play yeah. out because it it like is this is this ska am i an idiot about <laughs> genres or is this ska? no okay i was that's so funny you brought that up so i really like this it's got really cool energy and i kind of like the guy's kind of like you know eccentric kind of vocals and it, 
just dri- really driving. But so I was getting that same thing. I was like, it's got a feel of ska, but it doesn't have yeah, to like me second the, wave em- ska like the, the emphasis on the two and four. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. it doesn't have yeah. that dun, 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 dun kind of thing of ska. So I looked this band up, um, and they are influenced by klezmer music. Which <laughs> like, is uh, like Kle- is re- the uh, like used in in shul? Yeah, I mean it, it's sort of you know a Jewish folk and like Eastern European kind of folk mm-hmm. tradition stuff. So I think their whole thing was kind of being like klezmer punk kind of thing. Wow! So I, I think that's where like the horns and the other like instrumentation beside you know like they have obviously non traditional like rock band instru- instrumentation. Yeah, yeah. So, but that's that's I think what we were picking up on is that sort of like almost like you know folkish kind of or like horn strain driven thing but i i dug this song this is a cool band they've been they were around forever too i never heard about them they started yeah. in the 90s i guess um, the the vocalist um peter ventantonio uh just passed earlier this year he was known as jack terrycloth on stage so no no uh, mourn mourn is passing r.i.p all that um that song matt just you're gonna understand half this reference probably but it sounds like if per ubu uh wrote an undertale theme to me uh <laughs> That's that's for all of my Perubu under Undertale fans out there. Yeah, I'm uh, I don't Perubu. You do, you, so you did get half of it. Uh, oh yeah, I mean I've seen Perubu twice. Yeah, really? Yeah, oh yeah. Damn, that must have been a show. Well, a couple of shows. Well, yeah, Dave. You know, the first time I saw him, he got mad at the band, <laughs> and um, he literally he marched did. them off stage into the basement of the club like a teacher, <laughs> and apparently berated them for not playing well, and then marched them back on stage like. You know, <laughs> punish like children. Like a school mom? Yes. Oh, and then, and then um, my friend Chris was going to, he want, they had this CD. They sell a lot of like tour stuff that's only available on tour and things like that. And mm-hmm. so he wanted to buy this like tour CD that they were only selling. And like the, he goes up to the drummer and he's like, because Dave Thomas, he, always, he had gotten really mad at some of the audience first. So he got off on a real bad foot with the crowd as well. And then he got mad at mm-hmm. the band. And then he goes up to the drummer and the, he's like, Hey, hey, do you have that tour CD thing? And, and the drummer's like, had like the duffel bag of merch. He's kind of looking around like he's drug dealing. He's like, yeah, okay. Uh, Dave said we couldn't sell any merch to the crowd. <laughs> but, you know, f- <laughs> just fuck it. Give me 20 bucks. What does that mean? <laughs> it was because the crowd was so bad. He feel like they didn't you know, have the right to buy their merchandise. Oh, they couldn't own their stuff because they didn't like yeah, it yeah, enough. He's live. amazing. The dude's like, he's. Wow. Yeah. Oh, yeah. What a stick in the mud. I love it. No, he's amazing. Anyway, but yeah, that's my Perubu story. But <laughs> I appreciate that. I'm glad I brought it up. Uh, this next one comes from Mitch. If you're too shy, let me know by the 1975. And uh, I'm actually gonna skip to a few seconds in because what we're hearing, I believe, is FKA Twigs, the artist. Because like I a sample. They... Oh, no, I think okay. this is like an original composition of um, of them singing, like that operatic tone. I think Zencaster might be killing it for you, but suffice to say, it's really nice. And the actual music is coming in in a sec. There we go.
so the 80s influences not hiding um, yeah yeah i mean i've listened to all these guys stuff you know like they, they have a lot of kind of hype so i've checked out their albums you know and listened yeah. to them a couple of times but not super familiar yeah do you they're related i guess to other groups like i've always been curious what matt do you think of music that like dons this sound this 80s or 70s or 90s sound whatever it does that it apes it to such a degree as to like feel like it could have come from that time rather than feeling like an interesting adaptation of that tone or what like this literally sounds like a 2021 mix of a 1983 song to me yeah i mean there's some like vocal processing some digital stuff that sounds kind of modern but yeah i mean like this is like totally like yeah i guess it's weird yeah the 80 i feel like the 80s revival has been going on for like 30 years yeah. You know, like it never like stops. You know what I mean? Like people were saying the Strokes like 20 years ago were a throwback to the 80s. You know what I mean? It's yeah, just man. like I think there's something about, and even like my daughter, she loves to listen to Cool 108, which is like basically the 80s station. Some, I, I don't know what it was is, about 80s pop that just like pretty chuggy. I think that makes her uh, a boomer now. Yeah, well, Chugi? are you familiar with Chuggy? Yeah, but you know she's 11, <laughs> so she's gonna have slang that like is making fun of people that say Chuggy before we know yeah. it. So she's like generation, I don't know what. A yeah. again, or we do go back around. Well, if if it goes if it goes like like a like a number text input keyboard might, it's going to be like generation one or generation zero. You know okay, how it yeah. loops around to numbers. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. But uh, yeah, I kind of like I kind of like these guys. You know, I, I find like their songwriting is pretty catchy. And yeah, but boy, the, some of those synth like I think that's like you know. I don't know if it was a Yamaha DX7 type stuff, but... Uh, oh, yeah, I was going to say the same. Like FM synthesis, I think it was called, but uh, hmm. now you can just get plugins and ape all this stuff, you know? Uh, yeah, but, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I like, I guess I sort of appreciate the fact that they're, like, trying to be a band in sort of a pop context, which you don't really see anymore, you know? Yeah. Like, back in the 80s, it was, like, Duran Duran or, like, you know, like, pop groups in the sense of, like, they... You know, they played instruments and, like, were kind of in a rock band format, which... Oh, yeah. I don't know. I think it's kind of interesting. Um, what Do you like this stuff? Or, I mean... You know, I, I like it. I feel like the 80s might be a, a genre that... Or, like, a time period that sort of, like, just dashes by me. I didn't grow up with any of it. My mom was a fucking hippie. She loved 60s and 70s stuff. My dad is a Greek immigrant who loved country music, so he was, like, 60s, 70s, and then 90s. Um, so I don't think the 80s really stick with me in the same way they do with folks who maybe grew up with that or whose parents mm-hmm. raised them on that. I like this because it's just a good groove. And like you say, like, listen to that sax arrangement. Yeah, I mean, like, even it's, like rock it's well sax, put together. Like, like, you don't hear rock sax much anymore, you know? Yeah, no, like, I mean, this is this is in the tradition of like a uh, hollow notes type, you know, just like good, solid driving four on the floor pop, a little bit of disco sound. It's It's a good 80s song. I don't know how much what that means to me personally, but it is a good '80s song. Yeah, and I think this dude's like a total character, or whatever, from what I gather. Oh yeah, yeah, he's like, like a, in a good way that that could well, like in kind of a way. pop star way. You know what I mean? Like he's just always uh, I don't know, ruffling things. Yeah, yeah. In the in the classic British, you know, pop star sense. Mm. Alrighty. Well, thank you very much again to Mitch for giving us that song. I will listen to more of the 1975 best on that. As I understand, maybe not all of the music sounds just like that, but uh, looking forward to seeing what I find. Yeah, they have some uh, different stuff for sure. All right. Uh, Digtron gave us our next song. This is Django's Revenge by Power of Steelar.
And actually, I'll pop forward 30 seconds because that's when the first drop happens. I don't think we need to get so hype while we're sitting at our desks in our respective, <laughs> respective homes in South Minneapolis right now. There we go. You know, this feels very, like, 90s to me. Yeah. Um, like, cantaloupe. Or, uh... <laughs> but I, 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 this is kind of a thing that I, I just, like, fundamentally generally think works pretty well. Is like, kind of the jazz samples over like either hip-hop or like dance yeah. music I, I always think that's just like a good fundamental like sound you know yeah i've heard the term electro swing applied to this oh sure um, yeah I, I guess it's a subgenre. uh it's it's almost too many hooks for me i mean we talked on our last uh crossfit community shuffle about like the importance of place to listening to dance music and a little bit of that hits during this song um but like the muted trumpet does just make me want to listen to like some fucking cab calloway you know just go back to the 1920s 30s 40s music that this is that this is borrowing you know because it is like rhythmically that music is still so yeah exciting you know god what was that band i was cantaloupe what was that band us3 they were called us3 yeah, and I think those, the whole uh, deal was that it was an album called Hand on the Torch, and it was kind of like mm-hmm. similar to this, but I think the deal was like they had worked on it. The first deal was like Blue Note Records. Okay. So they could actually sample like the Blue Note jazz catalog, which is, you know, obviously. Oh, interesting. Yeah. But, you know, I, I don't know. It's like, I don't know like how often I listen to this, but I, I just, when this came up, when I was listening like last couple of weeks or last week or whatever, like I was, you know. Yeah. It's fun. It gets you your booty shaking. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know about Electro Swing. I like that. I'm a yeah. very big fan of uh, electronic music's like pretty much if you put out an album you have to make up like a genre for it like increasingly <laughs> obscure like subgenres you know like you mean hyper ethno uh, digipop isn't yeah, isn't like, a thing know, yet micro house <laughs> well, I heard witch house once witch, upon oh a time. yeah witch house that, yeah I remember witch yeah what was that, that band uh, oh my god Salem. Were they yeah. a witch house band? Yeah, I don't know. It's kind of like find them out. dude looked like Jay from Jay and Silent Bob, and like <laughs> they just kind of made these like spooky rap beats and kind of <laughs> mumbled shit over it. That sounds awesome, actually. Yeah, they sound like yeah. they're living the life. Yeah, yeah. All right, uh, that was Django's Revenge by Pair of Steelar by Digtron. Thank you so much, Digtron. The next one is Feels Pretty Good by TWRP. That's also pronounced Twerp. Given to us by Bread. I mean, speaking mm. of more 80s, for sure. Yeah. But this, almost, I don't know. I know, uh, 
Oh my god, Jason, I'm spacing them. Corey Wong. Uh, Corey Wong of Wolfpack. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, they got that kind of jittery, like, disco kind of guitar thing. Yeah, But this definitely. is, like, very, like... This is almost like this sax part. I kind of miss when, like, if you see old TV shows when they used to have, like, a, a genuine, like, you know, instrumental theme song at the beginning, and it was always, like, highlights of past episodes of the show. Uh-huh. It kind of has that vibe to me. Hey, did, by the way, did you look these guys up? Uh, I know them just by extension. I've heard some of their stuff come across my Spotify, but I didn't see their faces, if that's what you mean. Uh, you should, should I? look up what this... You should really do it live on air. Look up what this band looks like. Give me a TWRP band. Because you're going to be surprised. Oh, my God. Yeah, dude. They look like some kind of like... They look like safe-for-work guar. Yeah, basically, or like they're hanging out at like Star Wars Cantina type thing. <laughs> Actually, maybe Star rocks. Wars Cantina music wouldn't be a million miles from this. No, it wouldn't. If you gave Star Wars Cantina music a backbeat, yeah. But I want to like, I'm just very, I always, this is sort of odd because like you just don't hear bands like, I kind of appreciate that they're emulating the 80s, but like not the cool 80s. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's like they're really <laughs> like... The- like because the 80s were like a lot more square than like the stuff that gets remembered is all like the cool yeah. stuff you know but I, I kind of like this uh, and then this when I saw like that a... juxtaposed with how they looked I was like yeah they okay, mean it now I really don't know what's going on <laughs> but, I like uh, how this is basically like infomercial music from a time when people were all about hitting the club and dancing and getting excited this is like the easy yeah, listening oh yeah or like uh, like lifestyles are rich and famous kind of vibes yeah yeah yeah, I really no, like I mean, it. I kind of, I dig it. I'm just more, more fascinated by how this whole operation got started, like, with the, the costumes, the <laughs> sci-fi thing. Um, and also, I don't know, like, cause, I mean, maybe they're one of those bands that's, like, super eclectic, too, and this is just, like, you know how, like, Ween or somebody does songs that are, like, totally different styles? Like, maybe mm-hmm, they, mm-hmm. Like, maybe the next song in the album's, like, a metal thing, or, or maybe this is, like, what they do. I don't know. Yeah, it's gotta be. Um, shout out to The Lick. This song's, uh, sex run starts with with that little uh the famous lick just google it if you haven't the lick um it appears in a lot of jazz songs and a lot of standards uh, because it's just a very easy funky yeah uh it's it's just like a run of a few notes that will appear in every song you it's like the number 23 you're just going to start hearing it in every jazz piece you ever hear um but anyway they include this they include the whole six seven one like triumphant super mario bros cadence it's just a really like a really solid easy listening song i can't wait to listen to more of these folks uh and that's a that's a big old shout out to matt rogers or sorry no bread sorry i'm looking at the next song bread sent us the song feels pretty good by twerp and right now we're gonna jump to make art not friends by sturgill simpson uh coming from matt rogers this is a song i did not think that this person made songs that sounded like this Oh, 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 
Were just you the fr- names. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, were you, <laughs> you familiar with Sturgill? Yeah. I, I was only because my roommate listened to him, but I just heard him through the door sometimes, and I don't remember hearing this. You know, this is like almost like a, like a funky uh, industrial thing with a very like '90s melody on uh, top. Yeah, it's I a mean, mix to of, me, it's kind of like he's just trying to do like his ZZ Top Eliminator, basically. Sure, like sure, you know, legs or something, but more highbrow. Yeah, um, yeah, no, yeah I heard so, that. You ever those like artists where you super fall in love with one album? And then uh-huh. for whatever reason, you sort of just, like, don't listen to other stuff they did. Yeah, yeah, that for happened no- with, uh, with television. I love that album too much to, to listen to more of them. Yeah, well, they don't have a ton else, but... Um, mm. But, yeah, yeah, you know what I mean? Like, so uh, he, had a, he had an album called Me- The Meta-Modern Meta Sounds of Country Music. It was okay. this really cool, like, kind of psychedelic, acid-fried, kind of, like, traditional country thing, um, but kind of with weird... I had just a lot of weirdness on it, and I really, really loved that album like a lot when it came out, and I listened to it a lot. And then for some, uh, you know, I sort of lo- just lost touch with them or whatever was into different stuff. Um, so yeah, this is like a surprise to me, like the, the kind of synthesizer thing, and the you know, like yeah. I said, it almost has that kind of ZZ Top '80s kind of feel. Um, I guess I would say I- I'd like to check this album out more just to hear what he does. I-, I personally kind of prefer him in the mode that I was like into him, but you know, sometimes it's just mm-hmm. because that's what you're used to. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, I, I do. I, overall, though, I, I appreciate when artists kind of take left turns just because that's what they want to do. You know what I mean? And like I said, yeah. I think it's more just like not what I expected because I haven't really kept up with him. Yeah, and I think an artist like uh, Sturgill Simpson is known for just like being his own thing and not really like capitulating to you know marketable trends or whatever just having his own sound i think artists like that get the unique opportunity to like do those things and not be called sellouts or whatever you know like i feel like if it happens gradually enough for an artist or if it happens quickly enough and they just make it part of their appeal you know like if Sturgill simpson had a country infused rock album and then this i feel like just the audacity of that would get him by in a lot of ways um where it'd be really easy to say oh he's not making the thing that people loved him for anymore um and i gotta respect that i gotta respect that he's just like taking like you said his own left turn yeah and to, and to be clear like the, the album i'm talking about it was definitely a country album but <clears throat> excuse me it did it had a lot of kind of weird psychedelic vibes to it so he, he definitely wasn't you know he's just a very creative guy i think you know and right right it was a, it was it definitely felt like a country record but definitely not your typical country record either mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so I, I highly recommend that album great I would assume Matt Rogers does as well because he gave us that song. Uh, our next one comes from Joel Hopkins. It is called Sovereign Light Cafe, and it's by a band called Keen. I'm going back to a time when we owned this town. Down lane in the battlegrounds. We were friends and lovers and clueless clowns. I didn't know I was finding out how I'd be torn from you when we talked.
just about having, you know, a good time, enjoying small town life, and going to street fairs. Yeah, um, uh, these guys have to be from England, right? They must be. Oh, let me let me look. I mean, the name Keen with an E on the end kind of makes me think that. They just have a certain uh, yeah. fancy, fancy pantsness that I from Battle East Sussex, formed in 1995. <laughs> That's an excellent accent, by the way. Thank you. <laughs> You're ready for Ted Lasso. Um, no, I, I like this. It's kind of, I mean, it, it's bordering on like like stuff like Coldplay, probably. I'm assuming they're kind of the same era, maybe. But mm-hmm. I, I don't mm-hmm. know. It has a little bit more like flamboyant kind of uh, vibe to it that I, I, I tend to like from my English bands, you know? The, yeah. The chorus yeah. is pretty, you know, he's got like a little touch of Morrissey to him or something. Um, sure. You know, hopefully minus the reactionary politics. But, right. um, yeah, I kind of, I dug this, like, you know, it's, it's definitely, you know, pretty easy listening in a way, but, um, yeah, for I think sure. that, yeah, I think the vocal melodies are strong and the, like the songwriting is strong and, you know, definitely a cut above, I think something like Coldplay, at least for me. Sure. Sure. Was Sovereign Light Cafe by Keen. It was sent to us by Patreon supporter Joel Hopkins. Uh, our next song on the playlist is There Was a Door. I'm trying to make sure I know who. Yes, Carlos Lima sent us this song. It's called There Was a Door by Crying. I actually, believe it or not, Matt, knew this song before it was suggested. I'm cool. So, what do you think of that? What is is this? Is this Matt music? Is this uh, Matt? Matt? Um, what is the word I'm thinking of? Is is it turning you off? Nah, you know, actually, I mean, I don't necessarily think it's for me. I mean, it's obviously not made for me. But um, I guess I sort of I, sometimes I hear stuff that's that I, I feel is very like, you know, maybe very late millennial, even Gen Z music, and I, I find it interesting just because it's like sort of has elements of pop music or even like emo bands but it's it's filtered through this almost like sort of digital extremely digital environment you know where it it seems sort of processed Mm -hmm. in the same way that like you know hip-hop or dance music is and i just i I find sometimes i hear stuff that i find it just interesting to hear like what the sensibilities of kids are that like grew up in you know maybe in probably either the end of the downloading age or the beginning of the streaming age um i don't know just the way that they they kind of are unmoored by history in a certain sense you know because they're yeah, just yeah. taking all these things out of like out of context like I, when I, I it's so weird when i like i see like sometimes oh, somebody on twitter that's i know is like way in their you know early 20s and like their playlists and stuff are just like so like you know some like you know really like mumbly like soundcloud rapper that's all depressed and it's like a leonard cohen song and then like a metallica song you know it's just i kind of i sort of appreciate it you know i I find it like the sound quality of it is is pretty harsh to me in some Mm -hmm. ways but um it's very wall of sound but with just like 
all electronic shit, you know? Yeah, I mean, it sounds like they mastered it, like, with a GarageBand plug-in or something. Yeah, but, I wouldn't uh, be surprised. They are very DIY as a band. Um, yeah, or, like, you know that, have you ever heard that band 100 Jax or whatever, Gex or whatever oh, it is? 100 Gex? Yeah, yeah. I, I know them. But, you know, like, it has that same kind of quality to me, that, or, uh, was that band, Sleigh Bells? That, was, that, that band's Man. older, but... I, uh, I love that. I discovered them just after becoming an intern here, and, man... There's one way to get my ass shaking, and it's by playing set of yeah. bells. But they had that very, very like music. max, like max slam to the yeah. almost into the red kind of like just the flat, game is like, exploding in a totally digital like you know guitar tones and everything. So this is a little bit more like you know it's more elegant. Yeah, this almost seems like more of a emo punk like 1975 or something like that. But um, yeah, I mean, I'm just comparing because I just heard it, but. Yeah, yeah. I don't know where yeah. these guys like fit in, you know, what scene they, they fit into, but like, yeah, you so know, I kind of dig it. Like, I, I find it interesting to listen to at least. For sure. I I had asked myself the same thing. Is like, where where do these folks fit? I think they fit somewhere between like chiptune and modern emo. Like, um, the guitarist of this band, Crying, uh, made a side project and an EP in 2020 with uh, Michelle Zahner of Japanese Breakfast. Oh, okay. And you know, yeah. she's she's very much like modern emo singer songwriter music. Um, and it's like even more bubbly than this, you know, but it, it does have that same flavor of like a mesh of very, I don't know, like present, but background type vocals with like a real rhythmic electronic sound in front. I just love how this song, the one that we just listened to, there was a door is like, there's a slap bass solo, not solo, but like <laughs> yeah. lead in there that breakdown. There's, you know, the constant arpeggios that yeah. remind me of like a Game Boy game. It's just got a lot going on and yeah, it and fuels like, like some corner of my ADHD adult brain, you know, just hear new sounds every few seconds. Yeah, totally. And like, it wouldn't shock me if they like got the slap bass from like Seinfeld reruns, you know what I mean? And, and not like seventies <laughs> funk, you know what I mean? Yeah, just, they just, they just sampled his opening tight five. <laughs> but that, you know, that's the interesting thing you bring up about game music is because like, mm-hmm. I, you know, certainly game music was popular, but I forget, you know, that there's a whole generation of kids where it like, now it's, it's been accessible. It's something you can like listen to. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah, you, you know, Spotify, before it's like, you, know? you knew it from playing the game and there was certain times like, you know, there might be a really iconic, like final fantasy or something they where they do like a cd thing or something but mm-hmm. you know like now there's this whole generation of kids again like with this the streaming environment where like people listen to game soundtracks in a way that you know i would hear music in a game but then oh yeah outside of playing games i would just be in my car listening to like whatever rock bands or rap or whatever you know so i, I definitely I, I kind of probably in my head i don't think about game music being as influential as it probably is on like kids today because they That's can interesting. Like really absorb it and listen to it over and over outside of like the context. Yeah, I think I came to consciousness about like the people who make music and the fact that there's human effort involved around the time that music started being like more commodified, more focused on when you had people like uh you know Austin Wintory um and other huge folks in the games music scene pulling those things together and making it more of a more of an art form on its own, you know, like I own several game soundtracks on vinyl just because i like the game that much i like music that much and that's something that like you say it's hard for you to conceptualize that because it's like well that's the music from the game right and when you were uh growing up with it it wasn't the thing that people were gravitating toward. Yeah. they were playing the game and incidentally the music was there too right well i mean i wouldn't say incidentally because you know like there's so much of that 8-bit and 16 music that's so iconic you know sure but sure. it was we you know i'm sure we would have listened to it if there was like readily available 
that stuff or whatever, you know what I mean? Would have yeah. been like easy to find. We would have bought it at like Walmart or whatever, you know? Damn. But uh, yeah. it's just like, uphill I had to walk uphill both you know, ways if you wanted to listen to game music. Yeah, totally. I mean, <laughs> so that crying was interesting. I, I dug it. Yeah. I would listen to more if you liked that or maybe, you know, put yourself on a slow IV drip of it over the next few months if it's uh, all too much all at once. Um, but for right now, Keys Case Mulder gives us a song that <laughs> I'm going to do my best to pronounce both the artist and song name. Uh, Frukia, uh, Hroter Don Ik. Sounds pretty good. Thank you. Happy New Year. I should have just called it Happy New Year. It's like Scandinavian or something. Um, let me check. Oh, Dutch. Yeah, one of those northern european folks yeah netherlands What sticks out? No, I just like some some of the way the language itself and the pronunciations mm-hmm. are just cool to me. What are you thinking of when you say that? Oh, there was just I don't know the way she kind of rolled this consonant or something. You know, mm-hmm. I don't know. I always it's, feel like uh, European stuff has a very like you know just different vibe. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, even just hearing like rhythms that you might expect from music made in English and just hearing another language on top of them makes you think about the music underneath differently in ways. Yeah, totally. Man, globalism is globalism is really the way of the world, isn't it? It's really the best thing on earth. Yeah, I mean, for sure. Yeah, it's like, you know, this, you know, musically, this could be like an American pop song, you know? Sure. Well, that's, it's funny you should bring that up. Do you know the artist Kelly Lee Owens? Yeah. Yeah, uh, she's not American. Um, I believe she's maybe Scottish. Anyway, um, I just saw her at Pitchfork Festival a couple weekends ago, oh, and I, I had listened to a little bit. Yeah, yeah, it was a, it was a good time. Um, once I got over the you know crippling anxiety and stuff, it was pretty good. But the uh, her actual music, like I think that's changing my mind on like this kind of club music with a constantly active, uh, like high pitched melody. Because I, I vibe with this, where I don't think I would have before listening to Kelly Leowens, who has just such, like, wonderfully throbbing, like, large music, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but cut by a great amount of, um, like, really thin vocals and just high melodies and arias and stuff. I don't know. It, it She's sort of changed my tune on it, and I think that's the way that I went into this song, um, yeah. being uh, Gruner Don Ick, is, like, that. I think I'm more open to that now. Uh, even if it's not going to get me moving and stuff, I think I enjoy it more. Yeah, I totally saw that name around, and I didn't check her out forever because I just sort of assumed she was like a modern, like pop country artist, like just based <laughs> yeah. on like Kelly Lee yeah. Owens. Like you know, yeah, I, I thought definitely. it was just like you know a Nashville type new <laughs> new Nashville kind of thing. So that's really. Then funny. I was like, I heard, it. I was like, whoa, this is not what I expected. Yeah, yeah. If you didn't check out her most recent album, Inner Song, it's real good. And I think that that song was as well. That was Frukia Rotterdam Ik, given to us by Keys Case Mulder. Thank you, Keys Case Mulder. And next one is Caleb Murray's uh, suggestion is Bible by Ghost.
Did you know what Ghost sounded like before listening to this? Yeah, yeah. I mean, they've changed a lot. Um, okay. Their first album, actually, uh, <laughs> they were... Um, I got turned on to it by a friend, like, this is was like 10 years ago. But they, they were actually one of the few bands that seemed influenced by Blue Oyster Cult. Like, this seems oh. like a way more pop direction for them. Um, right, right. Yeah, I mean, the fir- I remember the first couple of things, I really dug them, and then I kind of lost touch, but they seem like they've gone into more almost like in a U2 kind of like arena thing, which, I don't know, I, I find this band amusing, like, just their whole shtick, and I guess it's really some guy from some modern metal band that's really popular that is, like, just in disguise or whatever. So yeah, I, yeah. I, I kind of, like, dig the whole thing. Um, I don't like this probably as much as the stuff that I, I remember hearing, but uh, cause it was is a it- little bit more straight, kind of. Oh, okay. Um, and also, yes, you know, Blue Oyster Cult. You know how I feel about Blue Oyster Cult. Everyone knows I how do. I feel about I Blue Oyster Cult. Very near and dear to your heart. Um, so it was just good to hear a band that, you know, was like into Blue Oyster Cult. But yeah, yeah. no, this sounds I, good. Like that chorus is like super big. You can imagine like, you know, in a basketball arena or something. Yeah, definitely. I, I think this one might be just a hair long uh, for, for me generally. I think it goes on just a little bit longer than my ear wants to give it. Um, but I think that's intentional. It reminds me of how like contemporary Christian music I grew up listening to would go on until like the spirit wasn't <laughs> felt anymore, you know, until people were just fucking sick of it. Uh, <laughs> oh man, CCM. My friend Chris used to, I don't know, he was talking about um, c- c- Christian rock one time. He's like, he's like, Jesus must love the long fade. Because <laughs> he's like, these... <laughs> Like they love These to songs, do the long fade. Like they're still going. Those songs that he's talking about, they're still being played. They never actually ended. Uh, no, it, it. That's a really good way to put it. Like, it's all about serving the audience in the moment, you know. And the way that this song is a recorded song, and it goes on for as long as one of those. Uh, it, there's nothing wrong with it with the composition of the song. It's catchy. It's like, like you said, very big. That very like operatic. Mm, that swell in the background. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what other sounds this band can make because based on the get up, the Papa Emeritus thing going on, how there are multiple different versions of them, like it's kind of like that um oh, I don't know, like Steam Powered Giraffe or uh any number of other like cabaret rock bands that use, you know, get ups to be part of their sound, be part of their image. I I just like I hope that there's something more for me to listen to as well, uh, on top of this. Because yeah. if it's like all this tempo, all this vibe I think I might find other other resources for this. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking now. Opus Anonymous is the one that I remember. This, okay. And then there's one, Infest, Infestisium or something like that. Anyway, that's a, yeah, I remember those two. And that, there was definitely a darker kind of more metal feel back then. Okay. Um, so, Dope. yeah, I don't know. I, I'm kind of curious now because I've sort of lost touch with them. I'm, I'm just... I want to almost check out the last album just to see, like, you know, what they've evolved into. Obviously, it's, it's yeah. a lot different the way I remember uh, yeah, as a side note, I guess the lead singer um, had his, like, he had to actually reveal his identity for the first time when he was sued by former band members in 2017. And, like, after that, he changed get ups and changed costumes and changed back later, but, like, nobody knew formally or professionally his identity prior to that. Oh, that's a real like, bummer there were no that he had to, like, papers or break anything. the, you know. Yeah, break the mystique a little bit. Well, but I mean, I liked it. It was almost chin. like a, a throwback to, like, Kiss or something, you know, where, like, yeah, back yeah. in the 70s, like, who is Kiss, you know, like, I thought that was kind of fun. Yeah. Which, you know, a little, little bit of a bummer. But uh, like you said, they, you know, they got back up. They kept doing it. Uh, and thank you again to Caleb Murray. That was a fun song to listen to. This next one uh, is also fun to listen to. And it was given to us by Jeff Enright. It is Bowed Down by Churches. Churches. 
This is kind of like if crying could keep their mind on one rhythm. <laughs> yeah, I um I don't like know this band, but um well this is a very Minneapolis specific reference, but we have a sort of an indie radio station here called The Current, and they are like big fans of churches. Yeah. So I've yeah. definitely heard a lot of probably like whatever the single off their album, you know, at, at that time was. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, they always seem like they're really catchy kind of pop song. You know, I feel like there's a lot of these groups where I feel like it's a dude with keyboards and a, oh, a female singer. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, it, it's like... Do you know who's a big fan of this group? I don't. I will give you three guesses people in video games hmm is this somebody I know personally or just I don't think so uh, I don't know I'll give you one Tim guess Tim Schafer uh, maybe but famously Hideo Kojima loves churches <laughs> oh that's what, that makes total sense yeah. yeah it's still the funniest thing to me like that he's made these games about generations of trauma and international war and espionage and like one of his favorite bands is like this band that's kind of like Wayfish singing pop about unrequited love and starting over. You know, there's yeah. just something very pure. He's and, a super and nice like about that. 80s synth guy, though. You know, yeah, yeah. And like, actually, when he got on Twitter, and I, I like, when I realized that Hideo Kojima was like an ex goth, like everything made sense all of a sudden. <laughs> I was like, oh, totally. Like, this guy was into like Joy Division and like Bauhaus and New Order yeah. and stuff. It's like, oh my god, that makes so much sense. He's a punk who never became a punk. Yeah, I mean, he definitely had, like, an asymmetrical haircut in the 80s, you know? <laughs> that guy kind of rocks. He's kind of awful at the same nah, time, but I mean, kind of rocks. Know, I, I'm, I'm just glad he's out there doing his thing. Me too, me too. <laughs> Keep on going. All right. Well, I think it's hard to argue with churches. I Like, they are a one of the staple bands, I think, at least of, of my generation. I've been listening to them since 2015 or so. Um, you know, Mother We Share... Uh, Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera, oh, that's of yeah, some okay. of their bigger, yeah, some of their bigger hits from their earlier career, and they just—I don't think they rock the boat way too much on a lot of their music, at least not as far as I can tell. Um, and it's just like you know, risk and reward. It's a solid, predictably good band, and their music isn't Death Stranding because Hideo Kojima likes them so much. Nice. Uh, so I want to thank uh, Jeff Enright again for that song. That's Bow Down by Churches, which I'm going to pause right now and skip to our next song. Authoritarian gives us a song called Splinters by 16 Horsepower. I don't know if that's a big engine or a little one, but uh, the song sounds like this. South set a twister, a after me. Gonna bust my house to splinters, yes, and take all that's dear to me. There's one song 
that you know, Matt, that reminds me of the sound of this group. And I didn't listen to any more from this group. Didn't listen to any more from the group I'm about to mention. But Morphine? Uh, which yeah. kind of has that like slow, kind of drawly type. I think it's a little more up-tempo than this is yeah. at times. But does this ring any bells? Yeah, I actually remember... I kind of thought about this band forever. But yeah, I remember when they came out, there was sort of this like mini like kind of thing called Gothic Country for a while, like in the hmm. mid to late 90s. Like there was... Slim Cessna's Auto Club and like Will Oldham's early stuff under Palace Brothers, but you know this kind of like spooky kind of like folk influence stuff. Um, yeah, yeah, but yeah, this this band's cool. I kind of totally forgot about this band, but um, I kind of almost want to pull them up again. I think I might even had a CD back in the day, but um, damn I, CDs. I kind of uh, yeah, I like this vibe. It was it was definitely like a mini like a little mini thing for a while. I think they're yeah. all based on like Denver or something. Denver Denver goth country? country that's that's where it's at man wow that is where it's at that sounds like a cool scene <laughs> I think Denver's very goth town actually weirdly I only know a couple of people who are or are from there and unfortunately none of them identify as goth but I believe it it's a it can be a weird place the further west you get I think the weirder you get so I like that riff there. Yeah, I, I, I totally forgot about Spain. Yeah. Well, you have uh, Authoritarian to thank for reminding you of it. That's, uh, that is Splinters by 16 Horsepower. It, uh, I would play more of the song because I did not dislike it, but it does, yeah. it, uh, we repeats, keep it you know. Yeah, we do have to keep things moving a little bit to be, be fair to the rest of the patrons. So thank you again to Authoritarian, uh, Splinters by 16 Horsepower. Next song is, oh man, what, uh, what is there to even say about Neutral Milk Hotel, Matt? Uh, because yeah. I'm just going to let her go in the back. This is In the Airplane Over the Sea by Neutral Milk Hotel, given to us by Brian Corliss. What a beautiful face I have found in this place That is circling all around the sun yeah, this is kind of nostalgia for me. Yeah, I mean, same. I'm sure different yeah. reasons, but like, yeah. if you checked in with me in middle school when I was listening to this, I, I, you, I, I would have told you that like Jeff Mangum invented music, like <laughs> yeah. just just how staple, how essential this music sounds to me. And yeah. I know it became a punchline, and it's a joke of like 4chan communities and the Reddit community and stuff, but like. Man, there's just no arguing with how this music sounds, I think. Yeah, I mean, you know, and he was also actually called back to Jeff Cork's episode, you know, Beulah. He was kind of part of that larger Elephant Six oh, thing. Oh, really? Yeah, and I was a big fan of all that stuff. But yeah, I remember this album when it came out, for sure. I was like, it had gone through a sort of a little mini breakup, and I was sad. You know, oh, man. You know well, what I mean? I, I've known you for a while, Matt, but that does give me a new perspective on you, uh, your generation, your your age, your era, is that you were around when this came out. And not only were you around, you were going through a breakup. You were old enough to be, <laughs> to be dating. Yeah, 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 for sure. <laughs> but um, this, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I totally get why this gets clowned on now. You know what I mean? It, it was so, like, right. it was such a, like, it's pitchfork tweet. kind it's, of, like, It's thing. tweet to a, yeah. yeah. And it was probably a bad influence in a lot of ways on stuff that was to follow, as the 2000s went on. Um, yeah, yeah. Because, uh, you know, it might be the root of some of that kind of stomp and claps shit. Um, the Of Mice and Men type stuff? Yeah, you know, but I, I always felt that this, he had a certain weirdness about it. 
and sort of a eerie quality to it. And mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I don't know. This is a very nostalgic album for me, so it's hard for me to judge it. But um, you know, I think. But hey, that's what that's all about. I think I do. I do. I would say it was stuff that gets parried a lot. It's like most stuff is so boring and indistinct. There's nothing to parody. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And that's not the case. Yeah. You know. It's kind of like when Weird Al makes fun of you. You know you've made it. Exactly. <laughs> you yeah. know you've got. You know you've got something imitable when you, uh, when you, when Weird Al has made a parody of your music. Yeah, I remember reading like some article like Kurt Cobain was like super honored. You know, when he parried your parried oh, Nirvana. Yeah. You know, they thought it was like wow, yeah. he made it. You know. Hey, you want more great stuff about uh, Matt speaking very knowledgeably and smartly about Weird Al? Listen to one of our first few episodes with Mike Drucker, where we compared them against Steely Dan. <laughs> That was probably the only one where the guest was really like, man, I'm not into this. <laughs> I, I appreciated how honest he yeah, was. Yeah. He was like, I don't like this at yeah, all. Yeah, for sure. For man, sure. season one memories, huh, Matt? Yep. Making them as we talk. Um, all thank right. you again, dude. I mean, yeah, I've heard Brian this song like, literally like eight million times. Yeah, so I was, was going to say, it's just comfort that's keeping me listening to it now. Thank you so much, Brian Corliss, for a trip down memory lane. Uh, and for bringing us all a little bit closer together over some great music. Uh, next one to do that is going to be James Burkett's suggestion, which is Teeth by Youth Sector. Youth Sector. I hardly even know her. Whoa. Hey. Hey. <laughs> is that a tribute to Norm MacDonald? <laughs> God. If you, oh, if you no, could turn that again. into 10 minutes, that joke, then you'd be there. <laughs> um, so I met these guys, and they said they wanted to form a band. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I really, I dug this one. I, I really dug this one. I love this. Yeah, like, it's new wavy, talking headsy, boingo stuff. Yeah, definitely. There's things like a certain ratio or like scritty politi. Like I, I just, I love that kind of like itchy, like new wave, like where they like new wave, like haircut bands started to get into like funk music, kind of in their own like, yeah. very like white way or whatever. But um, yeah, I just dug this one a lot. It has a, the. The, the one synth thing kind of reminds me of Cars by Gary Newman. Um, oh, hey. Like yeah. That, that one right there. So, yeah, I, this, this is what I really liked. I, I, I just, I'm kind of a sucker for this kind of, like, dorky, like, new wave dance kind of stuff. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, the bass line really helps. I don't know if you, as somebody who plays bass mm-hmm. a lot, feels this, but, like, I focus really hard on the bass, and the more it moves, and the more impressive it is, and the more like locked down it is, the more I'm on board. And this song's got it. This one's never stopped moving. Yeah, no, it's really. I dug this one a lot. All right, thank you, James Burkett. That's a really fun song. Oh, the next that one. Was, yeah. Good luck on this song title. The next one. <clears throat> thank you, Podbod, for the next song, which is Mail to Colon Spasm at Swamp God Question Mark Subject Equals Mind Hyphen Body Parallels Slash Clear Light. By Fire Tools. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I will receive my standing ovation. Uh, this Speaking is, of uh, internet well, music. Yeah, <laughs> this is 300% internet music. Thank you, Podbod, for this one. I'm going to give a little bit of a run in and then skip to mid-song. Yeah, I like this part. I somehow butt-dialed Spotify in the grocery store, and so it was playing like in my pocket. <laughs> and I thought that, like, I was, like, sitting there, like, at the Longfellow Market, like, man, like, their music <laughs> is kind of cool today. What's up? It's, like, some deep music cuts. And then, I, then when the vocals came in, I was like, wait a second. <laughs> and I realized what had happened. Oh, man. Did anybody else hear? Was no, it, it was pretty, it was, like, loud? the middle of the day. So, you know what I mean? It was no one was there. Thank yeah. You. <laughs> That's funny. 
See, okay. I yeah. loved what just happened. I fucking hate this kind of vocals. Just, really? I'm sorry. I just can't. Like, that black metal kind of... Not your thing? Shit, no. I, I mean, I, I, I've listened to some black metal and stuff, but I just... That, yeah, yeah, like, I just yeah. don't find it appealing. I... I, I'm still deciding if I like listening to this music, but Matt, I, I'm putting my flag in the hill here. I think this is the kind of shit that's going to be like the future of punk music and the future of just like that really raw, discordant combination of these very like groovy 80s like phone music track with just abhorrent guttural yelling yeah i mean you know? totally i mean like, you know because there was that whole like 10 years ago screamo stuff and you know i mean like yeah but even that was like that followed chord progressions and that um you know followed you know rhythm not that this doesn't but it followed rhythm in a more clear mm-hmm. way where this is like they've buried the vocals this artist has buried the vocals i just think we're going to start hearing this sound infiltrate not infiltrate because that sounds nefarious but like seep into mainstream pop and a hip-hop sound until it's like just a weirder and weirder space yeah and no it's totally. really pushing i, I mean like, like the, I, the core music of it i really like actually a lot um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but yeah you I mean, just wish, you're, do you yeah, wish there that, were any vocals at all or is it like this song doesn't need them i don't really think it needed them but if yeah. it was going to that you know like i said i have tons of friends that are huge into like all that you know norwegian black metal stuff and you know yeah, yeah. whatever but like i just I can kind of dig it on some level, but that I just the texture of that vocal, I just I, I've never been able to really embrace that for whatever reason. Yeah, no, I I, I can definitely see how it's uh, abrasive. Uh, but for me, I'm gonna dive more into Fire Tools. Um, Podbot has been trying to get uh, this song suggested or selected for our episodes for a little bit, and keeps championing the cause. Yeah, and, uh, and I'm gonna t- I'm gonna take the plunge. No, Thank I, you so much, Podbot. I definitely want to check it out because it, it, I, I, musically it's cool. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's a lot of fun. Uh, our next song, <laughs> Matt, so glad this one got pulled. It's from The Petty Cake, Patrick H. It is Earth, Wind, and Fire's September. We should have like done this yesterday, by the way. We really should have. For 20 seconds as we record. I was listening to this literally on repeat all day yesterday. Speaking of baseline. Mm, God. I list... I, So, yeah, I mean, Earth, uh, Wind, and Fire is just like, just a great fucking band, man. Like, you know, untouchable. Just, you know, I don't know. This is just a great record. You know, what can you really it say is. about it? It's like it it's is. a classic. It's also, I find it, it's sort of an interesting phenomenon too, where it's like, I mean, I think this was big at a time, but I'm, there's sort of this weird thing that happens now. I think more and more is where there's songs now that are sort of like the canonical, like classic mm-hmm. of a band that really weren't at the time no yeah i like I, I was just about to bring up the same thing because like i feel like with in a lot of those cases when a song becomes popular enough or if it like canonizes in people's heads the culture around it starts to get kind of annoying in a way um or like you know starts to turn around from the song because it's like certain associations people make with it or you know the ubiquity of it all around i think this song the culture around it has really enhanced it it's yeah. just a very very up song um there's the whole demi adigiib thing that he does every year on the 21st to raise for charity he puts on a great big production i believe he said he's done with it as of this year this one being the last one um but boy it's just i don't think i've ever felt like a song deserved to be more popular even when it's reached this level of popularity it's just so deserving of it um 
Uh, shout out to former guest of this show and current host of Strong Songs and Triple Click, uh, Kirk Hamilton, has um, a, a, an episode that just dropped about this very song. Um, he talks about the layering and about how the bass moves and just like every nitty gritty piece of the production and, and playing that you could ever want to know about this song. And it really enriched, you didn't ruin anything about this song for me, it really enriched how much I love it. Um, and it helped me learn the bass line. So I uh, got to give him props to that. Um, yeah, I. Yeah, it's kind of like the Neutral Hotel thing. It's just like you listen to it so much, there's nothing more to say about it. Just sort of laud it, you know? Yeah, and rest in peace, Maurice White. Really kind of overlooked, uh, I think, great songwriter, producer, band leader of the 70s, you know? Um, I didn't know he had passed. Yeah, a couple of few years ago. Yeah, but mm-hmm. he was kind of like, Philip Bailey was a co-lead singer, but I think Maurice White was sort of like the, you know, Brian Wilson of like Earth, Wind, and Fire, so to speak. Hmm. But yeah, this is a good sounding record. What are you gonna do? Yeah. Did you did you know that this was originally released for like a best of album? That it wasn't on one of the traditional studio releases? I literally learned that today on Wikipedia. But isn't that so, nuts? Yeah, I know. It's just like it's usually they do kind of like throwaway tracks for those things, you know, just to like back in the yeah. old days when they just wanted to entice people. But yeah, that, that's that's rare. Like, it'd be like under pressure being on the very best of Queen, you know? Like just wouldn't wouldn't work. I mean, not that it wouldn't work, but that would be like such a weird choice of an obvious pop hit that gets sort of relegated to a bonus release. I don't know if it worked. Yeah, it worked. absolutely. All right. Yeah. We played all the way through the song. So uh, thank you again to Patty Cake. That's Patrick H. Uh, Breadward gives us the song Go For Guts by ASAP Rock. And boy, I had a, I wish I had we I wish we had our friend Logan here. For this. <laughs> I was going to say that. Shout out to Logan. It was just his birthday a little bit ago. Happy birthday to boy. This is Go For Guts by one of your favorite artists, uh, Aesop Rock. This is an awesome beat. I love this. Man, this is so sick. That, like, cagey rattle of the snare. Greasy, grimy, gopher guts, poolside. Oak for one, I don't forget spoons twice. Lukewarm bulgers, mold on his moon pie. Booms in his home, the dissipating the fruit flies. Suicide lane wide. I am still getting familiar, thanks in large part to you and Logan particularly, um, with like recognizing flow in rap artists. And this song is a great example, I think. It's an earlier song from him, isn't it? Like, this is 2012. Yeah, so. Uh, you know, from at least well, close to a decade ago now, um, wherein like I'm starting to notice his a lot of his lines end with that like emphasis than not emphasis. Like he says, "Rooms in his home that dissipate in a fruit fly," and it's almost like a half statement, half question mm-hmm. way to end a end a end a line. And it always like even in songs from last year or the year before, you can start to hear that how consistently he delivers that and just like finding new fun rhymes for it. This is a very like. Jason's first rap analysis, but like no, no. I'm start I'm starting to hear that and I'm starting to appreciate it. And specifically, the instrumentation and arrangement of this track uh, cuts right to the heart of that. Like it doesn't get in the way with a whole lot of layering or anything. It's just got what it needs to keep the beat right. Yeah, and and also shout out to him because like you know obviously I remember like when Labor Days came out was a big deal. Um, but you know I, I really think he's gotten almost better. You know, late in his career. I mean, he's been around for what twenty years now. You know, what I mean, I think that Impossible Damn. Kid record was awesome. Uh, yeah, I mean, he just seems to 
the Malibu Ken record was really good. Um, oh man, <laughs> yeah. So he, just, he, just, he, just, he does really. He's done just had such a consistent career over time, and it's, that's kind of a rarity in hip hop. Um, but yeah, man, he's he's good. Every time I listen to him, like, I should listen to him more often. Yeah, same. Same. His uh, Lice project with I think it's Homeboy Sandman is they like drop music once every year yeah, or two or something. I'm a little bummed out on the home, Homeboy Sandman trip. Right oh now. no, anti-vax. Ah, yeah, God. like really strident. Never mind. I mean, Never you know, he. Mind. I mean, I love like a lot of the stuff. Fertile Crescent. So. Yeah, I just it don't want to. See. Put, I mean, he's yeah. kind of been in that natural foods thing on Twitter and stuff. This is going to be a risk factor for that oh, that's, stuff sometimes. That's one, yeah, one degree away Yeah, you know what I mean? That. Like, don't put poison in my body kind of stuff. But. I'm homeschooling my kids. And, no, I shouldn't say that. I was homeschooled. I'm, <laughs> I was I'm not any vaccinated. <laughs> Are you vaccinated? <laughs> I am vaccinated. Uh, double I, vaccinated. I, 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 won't even podca- I won't even podcast remotely with you if you're not. <laughs> I appreciate that. Amanda sticks to his morals. Uh, thank you so much to Breadword for... Um, uh, the song Gopher Guts by Aesop Rock. We had a lot of fun listening to that one, and I'm going to go back and listen to his earlier stuff now that I know his more recent stuff. Uh, our final song, and uh, I'm happy that this one gets to be our sort of denouement for season one of Crossfade. This is uh, Chen Yu's Trail of the Angels, suggested by Mike Lynch. Uh, Cheng Chen Yu is, a, um, as Wikipedia tells me, an aboriginal Taiwanese uh, rock, rock singer. I might be thinking of the wrong guy. I might have gotten the wrong fella. Um, but a uh, Taiwanese name, a uh, Taiwanese artist, uh, playing some really soothing and uh, beautiful instrumental music. Let's kick it off. to uh, distract too much from the music, so I will speak in my lower register. I was completely wrong about who Chen Yu is. Chen Yu is, in fact, um, a bamboo flutist. Uh, that sounds right. From, from Zhejiang province. Um, uh, and, uh, yeah, I, I was way wrong about her playing rock at all. So I want to apologize to uh, the Chinese people, um, to, the, to Mike Lynch, who suggested this song. Thank you, Mike yeah. Lynch, for once again sending a song that's Sending an artist that's uh, far too obscure for me for me to accurately find information on always a, always a fun challenge. Yeah, this is just very pretty. I love it. I didn't know it was a. Ba- I didn't know about the bamboo flute, but I, I just associate mm-hmm. that sound mm-hmm. with like. I mean, put it this way: I feel like we're either at the beginning of a game or a movie, and like I'm leading life in my peaceful little village that's soon going to be like mm-hmm. trampled <laughs> by like invaders that are going to burn yeah. it, and my parents are going to die, and I'll be like separated from my family. And yeah, this is where you're seeing a later. montage of, of like your happy family meals yes, and you're exactly. playing with playing with your newborn daughter and stuff. Like the idyllic, uh, you know, pastoral village that's going to be torn apart and send me on my great oh, quest. Man. But Matt, the rice patties will rot without you. <laughs> I know. Yeah, exactly. No, that's that, that's that's just really pretty music, and it definitely puts me in like I feel like I'm starting a big like third person game or something yeah i uh i got big shenmue vibes from this yeah totally a lot of totally. a lot of that game takes place in parts of china um anyway yeah thank you mike lynch i almost want to cry uh but uh but i won't it's a really beautiful song 
Thank you so much for the suggestion. And I'm glad it was on Spotify because um, otherwise might not have made it onto this show. Uh, that is actually our final song in the list of songs. Do you want to give us a, an out, Matt? Any, any sure. last words? Um, no, just to reiterate again, you know, uh, I think we just, we're just going to take a little pause here, take a little break, catch our breath, and, you know, we'll be back in the new year. And, you know, so hope you guys stay safe out there, um, you know, and hope you're healthy and safe. And uh, thanks for all the support. Uh, it's been, I think, you know, I speak for Jason uh, saying that this has been a really rewarding experience for me. Um, Hugely. Yeah. yeah. And just, you know, I, the, I, I look at, I'm looking at the guests, you know, I'm looking on our Spotify page and I just looking at all the guests we've had now in retrospect, it's been like, wow, you know, just a lot of great episodes, a lot of great people. Yeah. Uh, we got to meet a lot of really cool musicians and com- game composers and stuff. And, and it had like, obviously some of our friends and colleagues on as well. And so, you know, and mostly just thanks to you guys for being really supportive and awesome and, you know, in the discord or, um, you know, on Twitter, stuff like that. It's really been, uh, it's really been great to get to know some yeah. of you. We will all be, uh, you know, trolling around the discord every once in a while. We'll still be there. Yep. Um, yep. so keep leaving great music. We'll keep doing the same and, uh, look forward to what we got in 2022. It is going to be a hell of a season two. <laughs> <laughs>